Right now, we're gonna have a serve union from Marcel. Uh, let's give it up for the one, the only, the Marcel. Oh. That's funny. That's funny. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Come on now. There you go. That's why you okay. I see what you be doing. There you go. There you go. That's awesome. I appreciate that. I need that when I walk into my house. Well, my kids know I'm home. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Pops is here. Act right. Be respectful to your mama. You know what I'm saying? Amen, amen. Well, uh, it's been a good morning so far, hasn't it? Uh, so encouraging to acknowledge those who've been working hard. So cool to meet Brittany. I know if you're like me, you thought she was, uh, she had a little sister, sister in her. You know what I'm saying? They're like, oh, you're Indian. Oh, okay, all right, there you go. All right, so uh, that makes sense because the way she was singing, I thought she had some sister soul in it. Well, she's, uh, she's Indian, so I guess, you know, they got some sister soul in a different way there. Grateful to be able to deliver a message from God's word this morning. We started the year um, with this statement. When, you, when we truly know who we belong to, we will believe God's plans and purposes and will become who we were created to be. And so we broke up our year into these three parts in which we focused on first belonging and really walked through many layers and facets of that. And we talked about believing. And for last trimester here, we've been talking about becoming. And over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about how because of Jesus, we can become people of hope. And then last week, we talked about because of Jesus, we can become people of peace. And today, we're going to be talking about how because of Jesus, we can become people of joy. And so let's go ahead and let's say a word of prayer. Father in heaven, God Almighty, King of kings and Lord of lords. God, when we're able to think about the words that we're singing, when we're able to think about the treasures and the blessings that we have in Christ, it does something to our souls. Father, it ignites something in us. It allows us to draw closer to you. It allows the in inner turmoil or whatever is going on inside to be redirected to your will. And God, we want to acknowledge you. We want to praise you. God, we want to lift your name high. And Father, I pray that your word, your holy word, the word that, that is breathed from you, God, it will transform us today. God, it will enlighten us. It will engage us. It will draw us to greater faith and greater conviction about who you are and who we are in Christ and the opportunity to join you in your redemptive work here on earth. In the name of Jesus, amen. I want to ask you a question. What brings you joy? What brings you joy? Joy. In fact, let's get some people to answer. What brings you joy? Let's get a couple of people to answer. What brings you joy? Yes, sir. Street tacos. Amen. Street tacos. You know, I was having a conversation with a buddy of mine, and I appreciate your faith right there. 
Because, you know, there's some other things on the street that I see that are really popular, and I refuse to purchase one. I, I just don't have the faith, Kyle. You know what I'm saying? But I appreciate that you get joy from street tacos. All right, I saw another hand on this side. Yes, sir. Hugs. Hugs. Give, give that man a hug right now. Can he get some joy? Hey, Amen. Elijah, you give him a hug, too. That's double joy right there. There you go. All right, in the back there, waving your hand. Yes, you're right there. What'd you say? My two sons. How old are your two sons? Two and six. Enjoy it now. Two and six. Boy, oh boy. Wait till they're 12 and 16. I want to hear that same thing. Come on. That's good. That's awesome. Yes. Time with my friend. And she goes over here and touches her friends there. Okay, yes. Who's that? Marty? Yes. Prayers being answered with yes. Prayers are always answered. But we love when God says yes. All right. Okay, Dorka. Being here Sunday morning, praising God with all of you. Come on. Dorka was an A student right there, huh? She was like, what does the teacher want to hear? Okay, come on. There you go. All right, Corey, go ahead. He says music and then also bring, coming back to our church here. He used to come a long time ago, and now he's been coming back to our church there. Come on, amen. All right, all right, let's go. One more, Eric, yes. Quality time with other people. Okay, that's good. One, one more, Bobby, yes. Go ahead, Bobby. His wife. That man got into an argument earlier. He's trying to make up for it. Yeah, uh, yes, my wife. She gives me great. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Bobby, so good to see you. P please keep praying for Bobby. As many of you know, Bobby has a lot of health challenges, but uh, man, it's so good to see Bobby. He had a, he had a heart attack uh, just about a week and a half ago. And uh, so he had a heart attack during the middle of the week. It was here on Sunday. Amen. So if you have an excuse, you better go talk to Bobby. Oh, my toe hurts. Man, that man had a heart attack and he was here. want to hear that. All right, come on. Wife giving him joy. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and let's talk about joy. And in fact, what I want us to do here is get a biblical sense of joy. And so uh, I know a good friend of mine, Chris Galassi, loves the, uh, the, the Bible Project videos. And so they have this cool Bible Project video. And I want us to go ahead and play that right now. Let's go ahead and do that. Being in a good mood is really great. And most languages have lots of words to describe the experience, like happy, cheerful, joyful, and so on. The same goes for the languages of the Bible. In ancient biblical Hebrew, there's a variety of words like simcha, sason, or gil. In the Greek New Testament, there's kara, euphrasune, or agaliasis. Each word has its own unique nuance, but they all basically refer to the feeling of joy and happiness. Now, what makes these biblical joy words interesting is noticing the kinds of things that bring happiness and also seeing how joy is a key theme that runs through the whole story of the Bible. Let's start with sources of joy. On page one of the Bible, God says that this world is very good. And so naturally, people find joy in beautiful and good things of life, like growing flocks or an abundant harvest on the hills. The poet of Psalm 104 says a good bottle of wine is God's gift to bring joy to people's hearts. People find joy at a wedding or in their children. There's even a Hebrew proverb that compares the joy that perfume brings to your nose with the joy a good friend brings to your heart. However, 
Human history isn't just a joy fest. The biblical story shows how we live in a world that's been corrupted by our own selfishness. It's marked by death and loss. And this is where biblical faith offers a unique perspective on joy. It's an attitude God's people adopt, not because of happy circumstances, but because of their hope in God's love and promise. So when the Israelites were suffering from slavery in Egypt, God raised up Moses to lead them into freedom. And the first thing the Israelites did was sing for joy. Even though they were in the middle of a desert, they were vulnerable, the promised land was still far away, they rejoiced anyway. Later, biblical poets looked back on this story and they remembered how the Lord caused his people to leave with joy, his chosen ones with shouts of joy. This joy in the wilderness, this was a defining moment, a way of saying that the joy of God's people is not determined by their struggles, but by their future destiny. This theme appears later in Israel's story, when Israel suffered under the oppression of foreign empires. The prophet Isaiah looked for a day when God would raise up a new deliverer like Moses. That's when those redeemed by the Lord will return to Zion with glad shouts, with eternal joy crowning their heads. Happiness and joy will overtake them. And while the Israelites waited, they chose joy to anticipate their future redemption. This is why it's significant that when Jesus of Nazareth was born, it was announced as good news that brings great joy. We're told that Jesus himself rejoiced and gave thanks to God his Father when he began to announce the kingdom of God. He even taught his followers the same joy in the wilderness, saying, when people reject you or persecute you for following me, rejoice, be very glad, because your reward is great in heaven. After his death and resurrection, Jesus commissioned his followers to go out and announce the good news that he was the risen king of the world. And as they did so, the early Christian communities were known for being full of joy, even when they were persecuted. Like when the Apostle Paul was sitting in a dirty Roman prison, he could say that he's chosen joy, even if he gets executed. He called this the joy of faith or joy in the Lord. He believed it was the gift of God's spirit, a sign that Jesus' presence is with you, inspiring hope in the midst of hardship. And when you believe that Jesus' love has overcome death itself, joy becomes reasonable in the darkest of circumstances. Now, this doesn't mean that you ignore or suppress your sorrow. That's not healthy or necessary. Paul often expressed his grief about missing loved ones or losing friends or his own freedom. He called it being full of sorrow and yet rejoicing. As he acknowledged his pain, he also made a choice to trust Jesus that his loss wouldn't be the final word. This is very different from the trite advice to turn that frown upside down. Christian joy is a profound decision of faith and hope in the power of Jesus' own life and love. And that's what biblical joy is all about. Amen. It's really cool that we can talk about joy in the biblical sense and how, we, as again, God's people, because of Jesus, we can have joy. And this joy can be sustained, can happen even in the midst of trial. Even in the midst of turmoil, we can have joy. Let me ask you this here. Have you ever had some joy in God? Have you had joy in the Lord? I want you to go ahead. Let's do this for a quick second. If, you, if Jesus has ever brought some joy in your life, wait, you, a lot of you said Jesus brought some joy in your life. Is that what you just told me? Okay, we're going to do something, man. I haven't done this since I've been here in Orange County. And it's a risk. He said, oh, 
You know what? I, after I said that, I said, oh, I don't know if I should have said that. Can I walk it back? Here's what we're going to do. Again, show me some hands here. Show me some hands. Have you ever had some joy because of Jesus? Okay. Can we have some people share how Jesus brought you some joy? Oh, now we got some hands all the way come down. Okay. All right. Here we go. Here's what we're going to do. All right, Gene, come on up. All right. Here we go. All right, Marty, you can come on up here. I saw some hands over here from some young folks, and now y'all getting quiet. Savannah, come on up here. All right, come on up here. All right, here you go. We're going to give you, all right, here we go. We're going to give you just, uh, you have 60 seconds. Because if you go longer than 60 seconds, I'm going to have the guys come up here and start playing music again. And we're going to treat it like it's an award show. And we're going to pull you to the side, and then the sermon's going to go long, and we know how much. Everybody loves a long sermon. So, look, you clap it. <laughs> so, here you go. We want you to share in 60 seconds or less how Jesus has brought joy to your life. Say your name first and then go ahead, all right? And I, the first thing I thought of was when I became a disciple. I was uh, very unhappy with my life, and I, praise, I prayed to God, where are you? And the next week I was invited out to church and I started studying the Bible. And one of my best friends still to this day, in fact, I found the picture 25 years ago, I got baptized. And then I thought of my, um, my son's baptism and my daughter's baptism. And it's amazing. <laughs> it's so nice to have a family that's all disciples and it brings me a lot of joy. Hey, Mary. Um, my name's Savannah Creo, And I think the biggest moment was when my whole family became disciples. We all got to participate in the same love and joy that Jesus gave to us. So yeah, that was cool. Yeah. Amen. Uh, many times I've had uh, questions uh, I needed answers and prayers needed answers. And sometimes uh, a sermon will come up and give me an answer for what a problem I'm having. Or I read the Bible. Uh, I also read a devotional. Sometimes a Brothers and sisters like you will come up and give me some exhortations and say, hey, what about this, this, and that? And that's God following up uh, things I need to have done spiritually, and that brings me joy. Thank you all. Amen. Give it all enough. They all were under 60 seconds. Where are they, Kyle? Did you time them? Kyle was on them there. Amen. Man, that's a lot of pressure, huh, on the preacher after what you just said. There you go. I got I to say something to meet a need right now, huh? There you go. Well. Here's what we're going to talk about here. We're going to talk about how Jesus gives us divine joy. Jesus gives us divine joy. We're going to take it up in John chapter 15. In John chapter 15, we're going to read here. And we're taking it up. We were in John 14 last week. And so this is called, you know, a lot of scholars call this the farewell discourse. Jesus just finished his last supper with, the, uh, uh, with his followers before he's going to get uh, arrested and then crucified. And so he gives this discourse. They're having this conversation. And again, he gives some rich theology for us. And he answers some questions. And it starts to make a little bit of sense to the apostles. And at the beginning of John chapter 15, he starts off by saying that he is the vine and that his followers are the branches. And so there's this idea that he keeps saying throughout verses 1 through 8 of remain in me. And so, again, there's this imagery that the branches, in order to be fruitful, have to remain 
in the vine. And so that's the context in which we take it up in verse nine. The Bible reads, it says, as the father, this is Jesus speaking again to his followers, as the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. We'll stop right there. It's interesting to note here right at the beginning, just like we talked about last week, that this peace, this love, this joy, there's this connection between a relationship with God and also our keeping of Jesus's commands. Did you see that? He says it clearly, look, remain in my love. He says, keep my commands and you will remain in my love. Not that God won't love us, but we won't have this loving relationship in which we're designed for. If we defiantly, if we intentionally go against his will and his word. And so we always have to remember that this is a relationship, but we play a role in this relationship. And part of our role in keeping this loving relationship is to keep the commands of Jesus. Church, are you understand what I'm saying? And so we won't spend much time, we talked about it last week, and how fitting we talked about the umbrella of peace. And boy, oh boy, we need some umbrellas today, don't we? We need some umbrellas of peace, but we can see even here the umbrella of joy when we have the joy of Jesus. Now, here's what's interesting. He says, so that my joy may be in you. He didn't say, I just want you to have some joy in your life. I want my joy to be in you. And then your joy will now become complete. Now, Jesus must have been a joyful person in order to say this. Because if he wasn't joyful and he says, hey, I want you to have my joy, that would have been a bummer. That's like being around the grumpy person, the critical person, and he goes, yeah, if you follow me, you can have my joy. That's okay. So some of us tend to think Jesus was all serious or he was a man of sorrows and he was that, but obviously he had a lot of joy because this would have brought them comfort when he said this. So being around Jesus wasn't a joy kill or kill joy. No, he obviously exuded and had a lot of joy. He says, hey, this joy that I have, I want it to be in you. Again, not just a type of joy, not just joy, but he wants us to have his joy. And so as disciples of Jesus, we get a chance to become a people of joy when we're when we remain in his love. You know, there's this really cool verse in Romans 14. The, the apostle Paul wrote this letter to the church in Rome. And he says here, he's talking about a number of different things, but this is really cool. He says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That means true Christianity doesn't result in a stale, sad, or lifeless existence, but it results and peace, and joy. Who doesn't want that? But again, as God's people, we get a chance to experience this, but we get to become people of joy. Again, but let's talk about this type of joy because we can confuse it with maybe what we think is divine joy. Because again, he says, 
or where we've stated here, Jesus gives us divine joy because it's his joy. Jesus is divine. So the joy that he gives is what? Divine joy. You guys get what I'm saying here. And so this divine joy is different than happiness. Divine joy is different than happiness. Let's go ahead and let's break this down. You see, happiness is a status update, but joy is a state of being. You see, happiness is a status update, and we've all done that, haven't we? All of us on social media there, we, we go over here and let's put our feeling in. That's what happiness is, but divine joy is a state of being. You see, happiness is a feeling while joy is an attitude and choice. Happiness is a fleeting feeling. It's an emotion, just like sadness, jealousy, fear, but it's fleeting. You might be happy about something. You might be happy about those street tacos. You might be happy about that hug. You might be happy about whatever it is that we mentioned, but what happens? It won't sustain you, will it? It doesn't last forever. And you can't be continually happy forever by those things that we mentioned, but they're awesome, but they bring happiness. But what Jesus brings is divine joy. Divine joy sustains us when happiness eludes us. You see, divine joy makes happiness more than a fleeting feeling. You see, happiness is based on happenings, while divine joy is based on the eternal one. You see, a lot of things that we think of when we're thinking of what makes us happy are based on circumstances often what? Beyond our control. Kyle gets that street taco and it doesn't taste too good. It doesn't bring divine joy, does it? Now he's discouraged. And I've seen Kyle when he doesn't get the food that he likes and it's not a pretty sight. And so we can see here, happiness is based on circumstances that we're not even in control of. Think of the things that you mentioned that you were thinking of. Most of it is out of your control, isn't it? My friends, will they be with me? Oh, I can initiate, but will they reciprocate? A lot of these things, and these aren't bad. We're not knocking happiness. God, I do believe, wants us to have some happiness, but that's not his aim and goal in life. It's to form us back into his image, but he provides and brings divine joy. You see, divine joy is more stable because it's based on the unchanging, unwavering love, power, and sovereignty of the Almighty God. It's based on his unmoving, unchanging word that is powerful, that's so powerful as life and death. You see, divine joy starts with a choice and leads to a long-lasting state of being. But the problem that you and I can have is when we either seek or expect from God to be happy. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? We seek happiness, we seek this feeling, however, it's fleeting, or we expect, well, God, you're supposed to make me happy. And then when we are in the midst of troubles or trials or our relationship, we're trying to wrestle it out. We're like, well, this doesn't make sense. Well, God didn't promise happiness. He wanted to give us divine joy.
And so many times then after we have this struggle, we have the wrong perspective, we can get discouraged. I don't know if this Christianity thing really works. Or it's not fun anymore. I had a, 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 a person send me a text message. They told me that they wanted to leave God, and, and, and this was several years ago, and they said, you know, I've been through some hard times, and, uh, and what they say, I, I, I read it the other day, and uh, they said, you know what? It's just not bringing me any more joy. And it was heartbreaking. But really, he didn't have divine joy. Divine joy had, had evacuated. He was talking about the happiness that he was expecting wasn't there in his life. So therefore, I might as well leave God. You see, we get in trouble when we seek or expect happiness when what's available is divine joy. You see, if we're not experiencing divine joy, it's probably because our perspective is off and or we're not remaining in Christ. Our relationship with him is fragile and or we are defiant when it comes to his commands. Instead of keeping his commands, we defiantly, intentionally give it the Heisman. Ha. USC Heisman Trophy, you just came, the spirit flows. If you don't know, USC's quarterback won the Heisman Trophy yesterday. And I didn't even have that in my notes, Brian. It just comes. It just comes. The spirit's moving. Maybe the spirit's moving. Don't stop them. That does bring me some happiness. And you know what? Somewhat joy, but it brings me anger at the same time. Amen. Sorry, I'm getting, I'm getting distracted. Here we go. We get joy from what Jesus says in remaining in his love. We get joy from his word. I appreciate Marty saying, you know what? When God has a message for me in my need, it changes me. It gets me focused in it. What he said, it brought him joy when he remained in Christ, when he started to keep his commandments. This divine joy comes from when we obey, you know, and oh man, if I just, oh, I'm struggling, but when I do the right thing, guess what happens? This divine joy starts to take place. And you go, this is good. I'm gonna remain here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna continue. This divine joy, yes, there's happiness in this, but it can happen, even as we saw from the video, in the midst of chaos. There can be heartache and pain all around us, but yet there's this weird, transcendent, this unexplainable joy that we can have in that moment that can sustain. Again, yes, we have times of sorrow. We have times in which we mourn and grieve. We saw that on Wednesday. There's a time for everything, but joy can happen. Divine joy is available for you and me as the people of God. Church, are you with me this morning? I want to share a couple more observations about divine joy. You know, as followers of Jesus, we have divine joy because we have been forgiven of all our sins. Look at what it says in Romans chapter 8. It says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. There is no condemnation if you're in Christ Jesus. Did you hear what I just said? There's no 
condemnation if you are in Christ Jesus. Have any of you sinned? Just once. It looked like Sosa's never sinned. He looked at me like, mm, I ain't never sinned. You sinned before Sosa? Oh, 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 now it's a course. Okay, yeah, all right. Anybody sinned uh, a lot? Some of y'all like, man, I've been sinning a whole lot this week. You should, you know, ask, ask my spouse. You've sinned a lot, haven't you? If you're like me, you've sinned. Maybe sinned on the way up here. Maybe sinned when you got up in here. But guess what the scriptures say? If you're in Christ Jesus, there's no condemning, no sentencing, no penalty, no death, no fear of hell or execution. There's no fear. I don't have to worry about it. Some of us, we get worried. Oh, no, I don't know. If you're in Christ Jesus, you are not condemned. You have been forgiven, not of one, two, three, but of all sins. And that was through Jesus on the cross. I don't know about you, but boy, boy, when I think about it, I'm like, hallelujah, that I've been forgiven of sins. Because boy, oh boy, if I wasn't forgiven of sins, I'd be in some trouble. Are you with me, church? Oh, I'm sorry, maybe you're the type who hasn't sinned. Yes, you have. You just raised your hand. There's no condemnation, no condemning from the God Almighty. He says you're forgiven. When that settles in, what does that do? It produces some joy. I'm a free man. Even if we have some bad days, a couple things that we could do. We could say, one, the tomb is still empty. And we could say, hallelujah, that there's no condemnation for me. I had, a, I had a conversation yesterday with a relative of mine who, uh, who was, he was in some hard times and he was calling me and he was sharing some things there. And uh, he had been in prison for, for about 14 years. And as we're talking, he said, man, you know what? But at least I'm not in prison anymore. We can always say that spiritually. You know, man, there's some things going on in my life. I've done some, I've made some mistakes, but hallelujah, I'm not in spiritual prison anymore. I am not condemned. Church, we should always have a reason to say amen and hallelujah. There's another reason, another observation that I had. As dearly loved children of the Most High God, we have divine joy because of the second coming of Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 4 says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. He says, Jesus is coming back. Not a possibly, not a maybe, it's a fact. Jesus will come back. And you and I, those who are in Christ Jesus, will be with the Almighty God forever. The faith will become sight. The Lord that you are worshiping and singing to today, you will now have eternal life with him and all of his people. Can I get an amen? I don't know about you, but I like this world. But boy, oh boy, I really don't want this to be my end. It says Jesus is coming back and he's going to bring us home with him. 
That's fantastic. We have something to look forward to. As my friend Steve Stevenson says, he always says, what is, the best is yet to come. Why? Because it's true. No matter what happens, the best is yet to come because one day we'll be in heaven with our creator and maker, God Almighty. That's awesome. We have something to look forward to that the world unfortunately doesn't have. Again, we always have hope. In Christ, we have peace. And we have a joy because we know what's ahead and where we're going. You know, it's like kids, it's, it's Christmas. And what happens? Kids get excited about what? About presents. I had my daughter come up to me the other day and she says, Pops, uh, what are you getting me for Christmas? I looked at her and said, girl, you know nothing? You know I don't give you no gifts? Tell me y'all looking like, man, that's a bad parent. I was just playing, okay? We get one gift, all right, there you go, all right. And she was excited. She was like, what? And so there's been packages coming in, right, Karina? She's had these packages coming in. And some of these are gifts. Some of them she's sneaking in some shopping stuff. You know, I'm like, girl, what you doing? What's this box? This guy, no, we ain't got that many gifts to give this year. What is this box? Oh, I just got a couple of things. Sorry, again, I'm digressing. Forgive me, Brian, forgive me. It just comes out. And so she's excited. She's looking for these gifts. Man, I can't wait what it's going to be like. And that's what we have spiritually. We have something to look forward to. The Lord's coming back. The greatest gift of salvation is coming. What's it going to be like? Man, I can't wait to see. Can we talk with, with, the, with the ancients in the faith? What's it going to be like to meet Moses? What's it going to be like to see the Lord, to see the angels, to sing out and cry? It's going to be amazing. They said, man, the scripture said there's going to be no tears and no pain, no sorrow. Oh, I want to see that day. You see, we have something to look forward to because of the second coming of Jesus. So here's what's really cool. It hit me. I was like, wow, this is so cool, right? And so we, we, we get this joy from the past, right? Because of what Jesus did in the past, because he forgave our sins, we get this joy from the past. Then we think of the second coming and we have joy for the future. So we have this joy from what happened in the past and then we have this joy for the future. And then what does that lead to? That leads to what? Joy in the present. How awesome is that? We get to look back and go, wow, hallelujah. And then we get to look forward and go, man, I can't wait. This is awesome. And that leads us to right now, having the joy of the Lord. Can I get a hallelujah for that? I don't know about you, but that fires me up. It gets me going. I'm excited because why we're grateful. God, you've done so much. God, I can't wait for the faith to become sight and have eternal life. And so it brings us joy again, no matter what the circumstance is. It could be spiritually and mostly raining all around us. But because I look back and I look forward, I now have joy in the midst of the moment. And that joy can be sustained. So what should we do in response to this? Well, I think it's easy. Let's look back and look forward. Let's look back and let's look forward because that will help us to remain in Christ. That will help us to, in our relationship, with God Almighty. And this will help us to make the right choice to keep his commands in the moments. You see, when we're thinking of what we've been forgiven of, man, I don't wanna commit that same sin and mistake anymore. When I know what I'm going toward, man, I wanna do what's right now. And so we have this joy, we remain in the vine and we 
keep his commands and we have this cool cycle that starts to take place. So we need to look back and we need to look forward. So let's get real practical. Action steps this week, not, not this month, not, hey, maybe, brothers and sisters, I wanna call you to write this down, take a picture, whatever it is that you do, whatever's your flavor there. And I want you to go ahead and join me in this. And first off, the first thing is to meditate on the forgiveness of sins and second coming of Jesus. Just one day this week, one day this week, just go ahead and have some time in which you meditate, you think, you reflect upon all that you've been forgiven of and all that you will enjoy when Jesus comes back. And then secondly, join me in this. Let's pray every day, just this week, not asking pray for the rest of your life this, but every day this week for the church family, us right in here, to become people of joy by remaining in Jesus Christ. We're praying for all of us, not just individuals, but that all of us can truly experience and become people of joy. So maybe you need to put that in as, a, as a, a, a reminder on your phone there or whatever the case is. Maybe you have a prayer app or whatever you need to do. But let's pray for all of us to experience and to become the people of joy by remaining in Christ. And if you're visiting here with us, whether you're online or you're here today and, and you're not sure if you are in Christ, I want to encourage you today. Set up a time to study the Bible so you can understand what does it mean and how do I actually become a person in Christ? How do I get this forgiveness of sins? And how can I experience this joy that was mentioned today? Right now, we're going to take communion. It's where we take the emblems representing Jesus' sacrifice upon the cross. The juice and the bread represent his blood and his body that was broken for us. And as we take this, we can remember the joy and the opportunity that we have to become people of joy. And that this joy is not happiness, this joy is divine joy. And that all of this joy, all of this peace, all of this hope comes through the crucifixion of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. It says in Hebrews 9, verse 28, just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for Jesus. God, all that we have, all of us in the air who are in Christ Jesus, all of us who are in the vine, God, every single blessing we have is because of your son, Jesus. Thank you for your plan of salvation. Thank you that now your spirit dwells within us. God, that we can have the hope, that we can have the peace, and we can have the joy that comes from you. And God, we know that it came at a cost. Father, in order for us to have all of our sins forgiven, it came at the cost of Jesus dying on the cross. And God, we are humbled and we are grateful. And God, we're so grateful that the hope comes from the resurrection of Jesus. Him raising from the dead now that we have hope in two, one day we will raise and be with you. And so God, we are so thankful that Jesus chose, that he persevered, that he was sinless and that he followed your will. God, may we follow his example, following your will, grateful, humbled, and be united with you in the moments, but for 
everlasting. It's in the name of Jesus. Amen.